Hello and welcome back to the Go For Two podcast and uh, welcome back to our first episode post-Super Bowl. I'm Liam, your host, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Patrick. Patrick, mate, how you doing? Bit of a uh, tough weekend last weekend for you, as everyone saw on uh, Twitter, but uh, things better this week and uh, Super Bowl to chat about. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm here ready to, ready to go and chat about uh, the Super Bowl. A bit of a strange post-week, would you say, for Super Bowl kind of hype and talk. It was uh, something, you know, obviously we get the talk shows in the US that I watch quite a lot and uh, a few forced narratives this week and a few, yeah, it's uh, interesting. Yeah, it's been a bit of a uh, bit of an odd week. When did you actually manage to watch the Super Bowl in the end? Because I know you didn't watch it live. Was it a yeah, Monday? So I did watch some of it live. I just couldn't kind of uh, sort of concentrate on it sort of thing. So then I ended up watching it Monday and I watched it back again uh, yesterday. Nice. Cool. Uh, yeah, well, we'll break down everything from that game, including actually... Um, 49ers making a defensive coordinator change uh, after the game. We'll end the pod with a little bit of news. It's not loads. Uh, and we'll, we'll we'll kind of talk about some smaller moves, like, for example, passing game coordinators and all that sort of stuff. When we do the team previews throughout the summer, we'll go into coaches, staff changes a bit more in depth then. But um, probably can't start anywhere else, unfortunately, rubbish as this is to do for people trying to enjoy our favourite sport. Um with the parade news that happened in Kansas City on Wednesday, um, obviously team went to celebrate their Super Bowl. Uh, actually, pretty long parade as well, to be honest. Um, celebrated post celebrations. Obviously, had family, friends, some kids, and um, people that won competitions and stuff. Celebrate with the team and staff uh, after off stage, and then unfortunately, when that was going on, there was um shooting between two groups of people uh in kc that then unfortunately has left multiple people injured in hospital and just a bit of a heartbreaking uh wave to end the season mate obviously i am a, for a chiefs fan it's worse and if you're from the area it's even worse but even as an nfl fan and someone like me and you loves going to america and loves American sports, loves American everything, to be honest. It's just a shame that this is one of the key things that just doesn't seem to ever change. I mean, the biggest thing, you know, you always kind of bring it back to yourself, right? And I think to myself, you know, how many over the years, like, events I've been to in the US, you know, football, basketball, college stuff, baseball, Hmm. and you're never actually thinking about that this can happen because it's not normal for us. And it's so normalised over there with kind of certain group of people and it's just so scary and and it's just so upsetting it's like that this could happen at any time and it's just like accepted as normal life and accepted by a certain like group political group as like this is what's actually needed you know it's just the gun laws are just crazy it doesn't ever seem like i mean certainly a um a sports parade shooting is not going to get the laws changed if small children dying in the school for the same by the same kind of methods is not going to change anything is it it's it's absolutely mental really when you think about it it is kind of the the big kind of uh, elephant in the corner when we all talk about how much we love the us and things like that and god knows how much money i've spent over the years going over there but it it is a really really sobering thing that happens isn't it yeah, it is. Yeah, and like, yeah, it's just crazy to people not to be able to go and celebrate such a big moment in their life. You know, if you're from from the area and stuff, and this is like your favourite team. It's quite a segregated city or um, 
state, to be honest, in terms of some of the issues they've had over the last 50 years. And it does feel like the Chiefs are normally the only thing that keeps them to go. It keeps keeps everything going. Obviously, Kansas and Missouri bordering each other. There's a lot of issues with people that live in that area. But um, it feels like the Chiefs, from what you read and all the people you speak to over there, are like the one common outlet. Uh, so yeah, for, for for people to go and enjoy that huge moment, obviously historic with the the back to back, and then for that to happen is tragic, and then even more tragic that it happened to mainly. I know they weren't all children, unfortunately. A lady lost her life, um, but yeah, all the people damaged, uh, injured are, are seem to be mainly be children. Um, but the news coming out yesterday was everyone apart from the lady who was sadly killed. They seem like they're making a, a recovery, which is um, which is all you can ask for. And it seems like there was some. Yeah, nice stuff done by the players. Obviously, there's a video of fans tackling one of the shooters, who was also a kid, unfortunately. Um, so it seems like even in the worst moment, people have still managed to band around together. But yeah, you're right. How many times do we have to talk about this stuff, whether it's on our pod or, you know, if you're if you're into other things, if you're into traveling in America, or if you're a school teacher in America, or if you're whatever. It feels like all walks of life, we end up talking about this every year, at least. So... Yeah, will they ever change? We can hope so, but yeah, I don't, I'm not expert enough to to know how possible that is. But yeah, pray for that. Eventually, will will change. Um, cool. There's no easy way to transition from that to the game, but let's try and bring some kind of positivity and upbeatness on uh, a pretty cool achievement for a team, and then obviously another team that had a hell of a season that unfortunately lost in a tight game in the end. Mate, uh, we both picked the Chiefs to win. Um, the Chiefs did win, like we said. 25-22 was the final score in uh, after overtime uh, with a walk-off touchdown from McCall Harmon. Uh, I guess, how do we want to talk about the game? Where do you want to start? Do you want to start at the end? Do you want to go all the way back to the start and almost go quarter by quarter? How do you feel like the best way is to talk uh, about I think, I think we go from the end. I don't think I want to talk any about the first quarter, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> the first half as a whole. I mean, if you remember, I did say last, uh, last Friday... Thought it'd be a tight first half. I didn't think it'd be that tight, but um, yeah, I think I think I think we'll go from the end where where the drama was. Yeah, let's start in overtime then and start with the coin toss. Um, Fred Warner, if anyone who uh, listens to the fourteen yards betting show, always says tails. Um, he said tails again, and he he lost. Uh, and San Francisco chose to take the ball and start the overtime with possession. Um, Obviously, new rules. Both teams do get a possession. Uh, one thing that I found hilarious that people on Twitter didn't realise as well is the clock isn't even a factor, really. They just leave it as a element in case there's a third score and obviously for timeouts and to keep a track of the play calling. Uh, but in theory, you could actually just have a play clock. You don't actually need a clock really now in the new rules, but it's just tradition to have that that clock ticking over. Um What's your thoughts on that decision? So I don't know if you watched Mike's up yet, but um, <laughs> Chiefs players, yeah, Chiefs players said after the game uh, they wanted the ball second regardless, and they would have gone for two. That was the plan. Uh, analytically, it's actually quite close. Um, what you should and shouldn't do, um, but the issue is when you go first and then you don't go for it on fourth down, fourth and three for the end zone. That does actually change the analytics to much more in favour of the team that gets the ball second. So, what was your thoughts on? On the decision, I guess, at the time, and then now since you've watched some stuff, has it changed at all, or is it kind of like, can't believe you uh, didn't make the Chiefs go first? For a start, on the analytics thing, I listened to a great pod this week, it was my favourite podcast, um, but he had, a, he had a really good guest on called Spencer Hall, who was kind of big in college football, but he was talking about analytics side. 
and that's fine that there's not that much difference in between them but it also doesn't tell you in the numbers who's on the other side of the field and the other side of the field was Patrick Mahomes and Andy <laughs> Reid right so that should have been I can't believe that they would make that error and Kyle Shanahan came out afterwards and said oh we want the ball third I, I am a slate and do not buy that at all I think that is kind of like um making yourself look better right in the media I, I'm not having that he was thinking about that so for me I can't believe it uh, it's actually got worse my feelings around it as the week goes on because <laughs> <laughs> the sound bites from the 49ers players I mean they came out early didn't they Kyle Juszczyk he was he was one of the first ones to uh, be on the podium and talk about how they not spoke about it and he didn't know the rules because he was on mic'd up, wasn't he? And he didn't know the rules. I mean, my God, Harvard must be a low bar these days, mate, because Carl Juszczyk went to college at Harvard. So <laughs> you would expect <laughs> you would expect that, mate. I can't just believe it in the biggest of games that you're not prepared for every single scenario that could possibly happen with how many employees a big-time football team has. Do you know what I mean? It's it's a really, really terrible, terrible decision. Yeah, you're very right on the fact that you have to take into account who the other team is. Uh, I know, yeah, I actually... I'm not saying this is a good excuse, but I do think that prior to the game, his thought was third score is sudden death. But I think that is quite short-sighted to talk about that before the game and then not take the whole game into context, which is obviously your offence started well, and then kind of petered as the game went on. Chiefs' offence, over the way around, got much better as the game went on. Um, Mahomes obviously got into a rhythm. You know your pass rush has definitely slowed down like it did in the first Super Bowl between these two teams. Um, So, yeah, and you've known that Andy's already gone for two fourth downs, so you know that they're going to be aggressive, which the Chiefs aren't always aggressive, but you know that now. Um, So, yeah, I do agree with you that I would have done that because I just think the element of knowing what score you need isn't it I think that's key to to uh being able to win the game there so no right okay we well, go second here's what we need to win yeah because then every down becomes a fourth down and you manage that from there you know you've got 10 you've got four tries to get 10 yards at any point you know so they just just all of that yeah and they only needed one fourth down, by the way. That's how bad the defence did yeah, on that yeah, last one. Yeah, one fourth down. But then flipping back to the 49ers side of the ball, they were also happy to not go for it on fourth down over time and kick the field goal, which also... Yeah. That's know, a worse mistake, I think, than the other the actual call. Exactly. The call's bad. Because I'm telling, telling you now, there's a team sat at home, obviously. I was thinking this throughout the game, you know, especially the first half. When they, I mean, the game was bad in the first off. I was thinking there's two teams sat at home kicking themselves, really, that both probably thought they should have won their respective conference championship games. But I'm telling you right now, in that situation, my mate Dan Campbell, he would have gone for that on fourth down and gone for, if he's chosen to take the ball first, well, you have to make the best of the situation, then I believe he'd have gone for that on fourth down as a positive move to go and win the Super Bowl in terms of scoring a touchdown in overtime rather than accepting three points. And then now you've got to hope that you can hold Mahomes and Reed and Kelsey 
to the same so you can get the ball again. That's all it feels like to me, hoping yeah. hoping that something is, is going to go right for us instead of trying to make it positive and mm. go for the win ourselves. Yeah, I agree. I actually especially think if you take into account the dome element and how good the kickers were both kicking um, and the leg, like Harrison Bucker hit a 70-yard field goal before the game. Um, and your team would know that because they'll have your special teams on the field to see how far they, the other team can kick it to work out about the go for situations. Um, I almost think then that's another reason why you're like, oh, we should take the ball second. Because on that fourth down, you're sat there like, we should go for this. Because, but if we don't, Harrison Butker needs to get to the 55 and he'll have like a 60-odd yard field goal that he'll probably make. But if, he, if Mahomes gets to the 45, he's got a 58-yarder, which he definitely will make nine times out of ten this season. I think, well, it's more than that. It's 99% this season. But, um, yeah, I think that was the other element. Do you know what I mean? Like, he probably felt like, oh, if I go for two here, if I, sorry, if I go on fourth down here and don't get it, then they're going to have an easy field goal because of how good Butker's leg is. But I agree with you. I just think that's such bad thinking. And I think that's why you should take the ball second, just to get that. That You don't even need to worry about that then. You just let the Chiefs do what they do on the first drive, and then you know what you need to win. If Butker kicks a 60-yard field goal on the first drive, you're like, sweet, I don't really care that he scored <laughs> a 60-yard field goal. We can go score a touchdown now and win the game. Even if we don't, we at least have another chance if we kick a field goal to stay in the game. Uh, it felt like by going first, you just gave yourself such a hard chance to stay in the game um, and not go for it on fourth down. One of the pods I listened to said um, they wouldn't necessarily recommend this, but analytically, it's actually pretty sturdy idea to go for eight on the first drive. And then there's like such a small chance that you lose the game because if the other team get eight as well, you get the sudden death thing that Shanahan was on about at the third possession. Um, so the fact that eight is probably the best thing to do on the first drive and then you go and get or try and get eight, obviously you can't guarantee it, but try and get eight. And the fact that they just kicked that field goal as well. I think it was fourth. I don't know if you remember what the downage was. Was it fourth and three or was it? Right. Yeah, it was three yards, yeah. Yeah, if it was fourth and six, I'd be like, yeah, I get you completely. But fourth and th- I, I probably still would go for it on fourth and six, but if I had Mahomes, but maybe not with Purdy. But fourth and three with that offense, especially the other fourth down. If you remember the other fourth down where they scored a touchdown on that drive, George Kittle got a fourth and three play and it was relatively easy. It was just a quick out and beats Justin Reed to the, to the pylon and um, yeah, well not the pylon, but yeah, the yard marker. So yeah, it was a strange decision. Um, But going back to what you said earlier, I think the worst element is what the players said after the game that I was kind of debating, like, is that true? Are they kind of over egging it? They didn't know the rules. And then when you watch the mic'd up and you see multiple players not know, and the only one that did know was Fred Warner which doesn't surprise me because he's one of the most intelligent guys, had a hell of a game. Um, how crazy is that? Not from like Juszczyk's perspective of him being from Harvard, but from the coaches, mate, like Shanahan, we'll talk about him in a bit, like how much blame he takes. But in terms of that one specific thing, your players not knowing that in advance, I think is absolutely nuts. <laughs> Unbelievable. When you, because nowadays, well, the last 10 years, we have access to, even hard knocks has deeper access and then you know we've had all or nothing and the the information that these players are kind of getting all the time at the you know from the coaches or whatever but mate it's so in depth it's like crazy i remember watching um, i think it was an all or nothing and carson palmer was the qb and my god i felt like he knew absolutely everything about the organization you know top to bottom so i find it so hard 
to think that, my God, you don't even know this. And the chances are, obviously, this is only the second Super Bowl that's gone to overtime. But any, you know, any close game has a has a chance to go to overtime. You know, it was it was it was always going to kind of be that. So to not be prepared for that, it's just it's sacrilege. When <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. Just like the lack of preparation is is scary, and the way that they were kind of nonchalantly putting it out there as well. It was just a really strange watch, wasn't it, really? Kind of when you watch back the mic'd up, it's really odd. Yeah, it was. And did you see Mahomes' reaction as well? When they took the ball, he was so shocked. And I think that says a lot about how prepared that that team were on the other sideline. Do you know what I mean? They were just completely prepared. There was all systems go. Would have Andy actually gone for two? I'm not sure, but Chris Jones and Mahomes both said the plan was if we get the ball, if if they take the ball, we have to we'll go we'll go for two. Um, if they score a touchdown as well, we'll go for two. Um, so yeah, I just think one team was much more much more prepared in terms of the actual plays in overtime, regardless of the bad decisions that were were made. Um, obviously, it was third and three. Um, oh, sorry, that was leading into overtime. It was uh, fourth and one. Um, Patrick Mahomes, I think, handed off to Pacheco on the play before got. No yards, basically. Got stuffed. A very good tackle, actually, from um, your man, Javon Hargrave, who actually was probably the best. People think Bosa played well, and he did, but I think Hargrave was really good in that game. Um, Mahomes then keeps the ball on a play-action pass where he decides to keep run for it. And it was almost, did you feel like at that moment then uh, the game was going to be done? Like There was no doubt for me, unless there was a fumble by another player on the Chiefs that isn't Mahomes. I just felt like as soon as he had that drive, that that moment where he got to the 50 or whatever it was with that rush, I thought, oh, I think this is game over now. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And that is also the beauty of knowing you have four downs, right? Because the Pacheco run up the middle that got stuffed, it was kind of, that didn't matter really, because then you knew you were going to put it in the hands of, of your best player, the best player in the NFL, right? So it was just, it's a clever move, really. Just, I, I love the play call, actually. He was split second, he knew that whatever he was going to look at wasn't there, so he was just going to take off, and he had a free lane, didn't he? So yeah. it felt quite inevitable, and then obviously the next scramble felt even more inevitable and gave me flashbacks to the Eagles last season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was almost identical, actually, wasn't it? Not quite as far as the Eagles one, but yeah, when he ran up the middle, Fred Warren had a bad angle, got past him. I think he got to like the 11 or 12, didn't he? It wasn't quite the 10, because they got another first down after that, but he got to like the 11 or 12 and uh, yeah, I've seen him a funny video after where he was like, yeah, he thought he was going to score a touchdown. Then he was like, the safety just started barreling down towards him. He was like, yeah, I'm probably just going to slide now. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, yeah, that was a hell of a run. Absolutely hell of a run. Uh, and then we go down all the way to that final play, obviously, where they ran a corn dog motion that they ran last year against the Eagles twice. But the play, I don't know if you've seen this, but the play was actually a shovel pass to McKinnon. And when McKinnon broke off, Bosa just collapsed inside. Shovel's not there, but that meant it was Kelsey and Hardman on the outside. They're going to double Kelsey. One little look at Kelsey, Hardman's wide open. And a player that was a New York Jet earlier in the season mate, ends up winning the Super Bowl away from Aaron Rodgers, which is pretty nice for me. <laughs> yeah, could you imagine at the start of the season being told that Hardman was going to catch the Super Bowl winning touchdown? You'd be like, oh, my Aaron Rodgers has done it. You can't believe he's going to go into New York and win the Super Bowl. But, uh, yeah, not quite that for the Jets. But great, great for Harden. And he obviously caught the bomb as well earlier in the game that was kind of got lost in the air a little bit. But he, he took that under, didn't he, and caught that. So great play call, though. 
when I just as soon as he snapped the ball, I was like, this is. I can remember Sky Moore just cantering into the end zone last season. Yeah, I wasn't worried. It's Tony, that. By the way, Tony Romo completely ruined that play call by whispering yeah. Super Bowl in the background. Yeah, yeah, he did. I actually thought at times he did. He had some really good stuff to say, which people haven't said that about him for all season. Um, but there was four or five big moments where he, I felt. He like spoke over Jim Nance in the moment too much, you know, kind of forgetting the role. One of the runs was the same as well. I don't even remember the blitz as well, where they blitzed on third and six. It was really cool that he was just like, ah, uh, he says, uh, they're lining up at the front. This is exactly what I would do. Now they've got to decide whether they're going to blitz or not blitz, but they definitely shouldn't blitz. And then Mahomes snapped the ball, or Creed snapped the ball to Mahomes. They did blitz, and rather than seeing how the play went and kind of diagnosing the play, he just went, bad decision, like straight away. And then Rice caught the ball run, and then there was kind of nothing to say because he already spoke over the play, and he was just like, I wouldn't do that there, Jim. And I was just like, oh, you could have just let Rice, because you couldn't even hear the crowd. I was like, that was quite a big moment. It was third and six. So if you have an incompletion there, fourth and six compared to fourth and one, like early in the drive, it was actually quite hard. So that was such a huge play. And I felt like the build-up was quality. How he was like, they shouldn't blitz, they shouldn't blitz. There's no way they're going to blitz. And I don't mind it when a commentator gets it wrong. And then they do blitz, and I was like, cool, just let this moment settle. And he just spoke straight away, right over the catch. Couldn't hear the crowd. <laughs> Couldn't hear any of the reaction of the players or anything afterwards. And I, even on the mic'd up, it was it was funny because uh, the crowd noise was so loud, and I was laughing at myself, being like, my God, on the TV copy, I couldn't even hear the crowd noise because I just heard Tony Romo being like. Oh, bad mistake, Jim. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, totally. <laughs> so, yeah. But he did ruin that end play, you're right, um, which is not fun. Because uh, I thought Jim Nance's call was pretty good. You know, he said jackpot, Vegas. So yeah, cool. I love I love uh, Jim Nance. But, uh, yeah, he, I do still – I like Romo still. Like, I really like his – I like Thanks. how he works with Jim Nance, but it's just like just chill out in the big moments. Yeah. Yeah, the biggest moments as well. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't get any bigger, does it? No, no, it doesn't. Um, anything left on? Uh, we'll talk about cele- post-game celebrations in a bit, but anything left on the uh, on the overtime? Um, obviously, I, I felt like the 49ers' drive was was pretty good, and uh, it was basically a, um, uh, an unblocked pressure, wasn't it, that kind of got them off the field. Chris Jones uh, and George Karloftis actually played really well, kind of got them off the field. Um, I thought the pass to Kelsey before the touchdown, I was slightly worried when he had the ball in midair. And I was like, he's either going to score the winning touchdown there or he's going to get the ball punched out. But neither happened. Um, any moments left in overtime you want to mention? Or should we just then drop back to, let's probably do the second half of the game. Yeah, we can look at the second half of the game. Well, one thing I, I kind of would say is um, 49ers drive kind of, really stuttered from the beginning didn't it until they hit a couple of big plays but it never felt yeah. comfortable and that was obviously the, the the worry with kind of taking the ball straight off the bat wasn't it yeah well they got the holding call to keep the drive alive it was third and 13 and um yeah exactly Chris Jones got pressure on th- I actually think I'm not saying they're lucky because I think it was a holding but I mean if the ref doesn't call it because the refs didn't call much all day most Super Bowl refs don't call don't call much um, I found it crazy. I was watching it. I was like, oh my God, I think Brock Purdy's actually probably thrown up. That's actually a fumble. You know, because I don't think the ball was coming forward. You know, they said like, oh, it got battered down. If you listen to the TV copy, they're like, oh, battered down. But if you watch it, especially the mic'd up one, he didn't bat it down. He just dropped the ball. So I'm like, 
in either way, even if it isn't a fumble, it was fourth and fourth 13. So the Chiefs only then need a field goal, but they get called for a hold and then that keeps the drive alive. And yeah, it felt like apart from the one pass outside CMC, it felt like the rest of that drive was just an absolute struggle, um, which to be honest, leads us nicely into the second half because I felt a lot of the the game after the first three drives and Niners was, was pretty difficult. And then obviously the Chiefs really, really grew into the game. In terms of the biggest moments in the second half, um, I don't think there's any one bigger than uh, probably the fumbled punt mate, um, who I don't really blame the returner for. Um, I think if you look at the replay and he's shouting whatever their code word is to get away from the ball and then his player just stands there and carries on blocking and it hits the guy's foot, I think A, it's just a bit of unluckiness and B, I think it's more the guy's foot was in the way by not moving when the returner was shouting rather than the returner because I think the minute it pings off someone's leg and then you run into the side and now you know the ball's live, so the ball's already been fumbled technically by the rule book. I think you're in such a bad position as a returner there. I mean, we did speak, didn't we, about... 49ers special teams and how low they were in the DBOA and they yeah, just came down to that kind of that those small moments like that isn't it of just kind of like brain farts it was just it was a unbelievable play obviously then one play later that was punished in the biggest way wasn't it possible yeah yeah, it was funny that it was one play later as well to MVS. And if you look at the replay, he nearly dropped that that catch. <laughs> so he's very close to dropping that catch. So I was like, please, like, come on, we do not need, we do not need you to drop uh, the biggest catch and like maybe like yeah, Chiefs history to that moment potentially. Um, but yeah, scored the touchdown. Um, but yeah, I felt sorry for Ray Ray McLeod there. Um, but it was definitely the spark that the Kansas City offense needed. Uh, another big moment was 100% another special teams moment that we spoke about. And even though Jake Moody actually played incredibly well, um, he had the point after blocked after their touchdown. I think it was the Jawan Jennings reception touchdown. Um, and during that moment, mate, that was a moment where I was just like, oh, you know what? This feels like a... <laughs> I don't want to tempt fate, but the Chiefs are definitely going to win this. But that felt like or this could be the Chiefs' day, because when he misses an extra point after me and you banged on about him all week, uh, I felt, oh no, this could come back to bite them. Because I feel like every extra point that gets missed seems to affect the game at the end somehow. Yeah, I mean, especially in a super, super close game, because then it changed kind of the trajectory of the last drives, doesn't it, and, and everything like that. So, I mean, it all did fall into place, kind of what we spoke about, what others spoke about, that... Special teams, whilst it's not sexy and we don't talk about it all the time, it's so, so important, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is, especially in big games as well and low, lower scoring games. So this game yeah. went, un- went under in the end, even though uh, I said it would go over. It went under, but in regular time, it went way under. Um Obviously, there was, what, nine points in overtime. So it was only 38 points in, in regular time. So even in lower scoring games, those special teams moments are even bigger because you've got such less chance possession-wise to to come back and uh, come back and score. Um, we spoke about Shanahan making a mistake, but what were your thoughts as a neutral? Because um, I don't know if you knew the score of the game when you watched the game back, but when uh, the Chiefs did get into the red zone after that missed extra point, um, and I think I can't remember what it was, whether it's fourth and three as well or fourth and four. Um Andy Reid didn't go for it. He kicked the he kicked the the, the field goal. Um 
I think that was to tie the game at that point. What were your thoughts there? Was that with the time left? I think there was five minutes left after that. Were you thinking like, oh my God, this could come back to bite him? Or were you kind of like, yeah, that's the right decision? Because yeah, for me, I was shocked that Mahomes took the sack there. And then obviously, yeah, really, I was thinking, oh, there's an argument you should go for this, to be honest, with the fact there's only five minutes left. Yeah, the sack was obviously terrible to take, but I can see why you would kick the field goal there. A 24-yard of 5.46 left in a really low-scoring game. I feel like, yeah, you, you kind of take... If you could then, if you if you went for it on fourth down didn't get there, maybe you could get the ball back with kind of... Get them 49ers off the field within two minutes, you know, and get the ball back with three minutes to go or 2.30, you know, and then, then you end up may hitting a field goal again to tie it. So I, it, it made sense for me with the way that the, the defence slash San Francisco's offence had played during yeah. the second half. Yeah, 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 that's fair. Uh, I, I think there's even another argument, going back to your Dan Campbell shout. Um, if Dan Campbell was on either side, I think he might have gone for that fourth down, who knows. But he 100% would have gone for the next one after the 49ers have a really good drive. They get the ball to the... Well, it was two minutes, 25 seconds. They do a fake uh, a fake call at the line of scrimmage to try and get the Chiefs to jump. Chiefs don't jump. We hit the two-minute warning. It's then third and three, I believe. Um, Trent McDuffie gets his 16th unblocked pressure of the season, which is nuts. Um, bats down a pass. Incredible disguise. The mic'd up's really cool from that because they couldn't even see it. Uh, and also Carl Shanahan screaming at Brock to throw to CMC. And there's like no way that CMC should be your blitzer out there because he's on the complete other side of the field. So I found that hilarious that Spags completely fooled them. But that leads to fourth and three, mate. And I was, I was thinking at the time, I was like, I'm so glad this isn't against the Lions because you know, even though it's a tied game with that much time, Dan Campbell would be like, we cannot give the ball back to Mahomes. We're going for it on fourth down. And yeah. I was slightly shocked that they didn't, to be honest. Yeah, and they trusted Moody with a 53-yard. Obviously, he nailed it and he nailed a couple of big kicks in the... I think 55, which was a record, wasn't it, until Booker broke it like 20 minutes later or something. But um, yeah. it's big trust, isn't it? And, it? and these these are the things that you that are most important to talk about when you're analysing kind of coaches and their careers that you've had, you know, because obviously the talk after we spoke about it as well, you know, Shanahan's not won a ring. He's got a lot of talent around him. Him himself is obviously a very talented offensive play caller, but it's not gone his way again. And I understand the the kicking the field goal. I'm not sure that you, you could kind of trust that your rookie kicker just because he's kind of done it once during the game. That doesn't kind of mean anything, but I don't know. Like you said, you know, Dan Campbell would have gone for it and just just the just the play calling, I think. In that situation, you could have at third and three, you could have decided, right, whatever we're gonna do, unless we take a sack here or a running play loses yardage, we're going for this. So we've got two downs to get three yards. And I just think that's just a better way to look at things rather than kind of trying to hit a big pass play on third and three. It's just to grind and get those three yards and then it takes the because the clock like we always say is the most important thing when it comes down to this under two minutes you have the ball in a tie game in the Super Bowl the clock is your biggest friend isn't it so it's yeah. like that was that for me was 
one of a few, not calamitous because I can see why he did it, but it's just the reasons, the decisions why you didn't win the game, isn't it? And obviously, yeah, they nailed the field goal, but two minutes left, it was <laughs> it was always going to come down. I think Mahomes is now seven for seven on game winning or game time drives in the playoffs in his career. Yeah, so it's like, well, what did you expect was going to happen? You know, yeah. unless it was a freak fumble somewhere, you've kind of set yourself up to be playing more football. And, and just like we spoke about in the overtime, you're not trying to win the game, are you? You're just trying to kind of manage the game and see it out sort of thing instead of going to win it. And if and if you'd have failed on that, you'd have lost on a field goal. And But, you know, you've got to go out there for the win, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, 100%, 100%. I did actually think there's a chance that they might run it. I think that was why I was annoyed why Andy kicked the field goal, because I honestly did think five minutes to go, if you get one first down at the start, if you three and out, you're three and out. But I felt like if the 49ers got one first down, which they actually did immediately, they had two really nice plays on the first five plays of that drive um, that got them both first downs. I was kind of there thinking, like, I think it's very likely now they could run the clock out. Do you know what I mean? And it did nearly point out that way. It, was, it ended up being a third and three with two minutes left. And I think you'd have taken that if you're the 49ers, third and three. Convert that. One more, even if you don't get the next first down, it's probably a 45 yard, uh, sorry, 48 yard field goal with time expiring. I think you take that against Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. But uh, yeah, a player me and you spoke about all week, Trent McDuffie. Uh, I know obviously Spags called the blitz, but Trent disguised it. Trent got his hands up in the right way, didn't let the pass go around the side, which which Purdy was trying to do. And uh, yeah, someone who's been valuable for the Chiefs all year, uh, I thought came up with a with an absolute huge play there. Um, and then the ball goes the other way, mate. And uh, was there any doubt in your mind with one minute, wherever it was, 50-odd seconds? They only had two timeouts left as well. Was there any doubt in your mind that uh, Patrick Mahomes was going to come down and uh, give them a chance to at least score a field goal to take it to overtime? No, I don't think so. It's only like getting that versus New England in New England's heyday. The inevitable was coming right and you find a way because you've got four downs to do absolutely everything. So it was it was no, no shock at all. And I quite like the way that they played it and they didn't try and push things down the field just let it come to you and if it's only a field goal that you can get in this time then that's all that you can get and let's not push anything or risk anything because we like our chances in overtime in a brand new game the way that the second half has gone right so i liked that about it about about the drive yeah Mahomes uses legs even more then obviously as well finish the Finished the game with uh, 66 rushing yards, led the Chiefs in rushing, um, and he did it on that drive as well. Uh, I was actually surprised they got as close as they did. I thought it was going to be like a 40, yeah, maybe best case 38, but 40 to 55-yard field goal, maybe even 60 to tie it. Um, because I just felt like if they got in range, then Andy would kind of just play the clock. Um, but fair play, they had that 22-yard run to tra- uh, pass and catch Travis Kelsey as the fastest he's ran in three seasons uh, against Fred Warner. Uh, set the ball up, 10 seconds to go. I honestly felt like they were going to win it on a walk-off in ordinary time. I don't know what you felt like at that moment, but when it was one play and you saw Mahomes throwing up like the one finger, like we've got one play, 
I obviously, everyone in the world knew he's probably going to throw it to Kelsey, but I still felt like, oh my God, I honestly think there's a chance they could win it. And then, uh, to be fair to Fred Warner, that was one of his best coverages of the day on uh, Travis Kelsey to stop him scoring. But uh, Rasheed Rice, mate, was kind of open. I think the broadcast did a disservice to it because they showed an image of him wide open, but Mahomes had already threw the pass at that point. I think if you took it back a click, there's a chance he gets in, but I don't hate the fact that they do that because you don't necessarily want a rookie catching it at the 10-yard line maybe four seconds, five seconds to try and get in the end zone without wasting all the time, without fumbling. I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't too disappointed, but on the replay, I was like, oh, they could have scored there. <laughs> yeah, like I said, it's you're risking everything, aren't you, for, for that? And uh, like we saw with Zay Flowers, right, in the AFC Championship game, sometimes rookies just do things that young people do <laughs> and you just try and go for everything so it's the the time element is, is so important isn't it as well in that in that situation oh yeah it's an absolute disaster if you have 10 seconds and you lose the game on zero by not getting a field goal kickoff that is yeah, yeah that would be it that would be that would be bad a fumble is worse probably but that is uh yeah that is pretty bad but yeah then Chiefs always said went took it to overtime came came through and won um, we'll talk about these two teams going forward and obviously what it means history-wise. But in terms of this game, mate, any uh, specific players? We've obviously done a lot about the plays. We've done a lot about the decision-making. But did you want to give a couple of players on either team that you were either impressed or uh, disappointed with? I wouldn't say impressed or disappointed, but there's one thing I think we should just briefly touch on, and that is we've not really mentioned his name, but Brock Purdy. He played well at times. Now, one thing I will say we we'll start the second half, Mahomes throws the interception, right? You're 10-3 up. This is your chance to go and win the Super Bowl, right? This is your chance. You go up 17-3, the complexion of the game changes. But yeah. when Mahomes throws the interception, then they had three straight possessions where Purdy was two for seven for minus one yard on those three <laughs> possessions. And that is the story of the Super Bowl, mate. And it's just playing in the biggest times. is, And that was kind of the Super Bowl is on the line right there for you to go out and win it. And for me, that should be not just brushed under the carpet because he did make some good throws in the day. I don't think that there's a terrific amount of zip on the throw. Sometimes they look like they're going in slow motion. But... Um, for me, that should be spoken about a little more because the game is on the line there for you to go out and win it because I would never have expected Mahomes to come in and that because that was a terrible throw, wasn't it? Just a little overthrow, dinked it into the cornerback's arms and you're like, wow, maybe this is our day when this has happened at the start of the second half. So just thought that was interesting to say because they only went three for 12 on third down all day as well. So he, he played well until it really, really, really mattered that you could go out there and win the game, and then he didn't. Yeah, I agree with that. He probably played better than I thought at times against Spags um, specifically, but then I actually felt like throws, yeah, definitely a couple of ducks, like you said. But he played well. He played good overall. But if you compare him his performance to Jalen Hurts in the Super Bowl, I know Jane Hurts didn't have a very good season this season, but um, if you compare that Super Bowl performance last year versus this, it's just night and day. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. There's a lot of people saying about 
we'll give Carl some stick in a bit, maybe, or talk about his legacy. But a lot of people say, and oh, I can't believe they didn't run the ball more in that stretch, those three drives. But if you look at it and listen to Spags talk about it, they literally were like, we're going to sell out completely to stop the run. And then we're just going to live with our corners in man coverage. Justin Reed on George Kittle, like me and you spoke about in the, in the preview, mate. And yeah, Brock Purdy couldn't, couldn't get it done. Jairus Need said the whole idea was we want Brock Purdy to throw the ball. Uh, we want him to throw the ball against man coverage, not zone coverage. So I think even though he definitely is better than I ever thought, he's definitely better probably than I think than you thought. Um, I think those words from Spags, those play callings to stop the run and Jairus Need saying we want him to throw the ball in the second half. I think that kind of tells you enough, doesn't it, about the level he is uh, compared to the run game, obviously, which is elite. Yeah, completely. I do think it's an issue going forward. I think it is something that San Francisco will speak about. I know it's a cool story, but um, I don't know, mate, just one notch up in the quarterback levels. And I think that should have been a different a different kind of game because it always comes down to things like this is, it's when it actually really, really matters, isn't it? And it's situations like this that everybody is kind of judged on. So it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's interesting. It's going to be an interesting conversation. Obviously, it's going to be the start of next season. I think it's always going to be the same with Brock Purdy from where he was drafted. Is His leash with people is going to be shorter than... Yeah, than anyone else's is going to kind of be, right? Yeah, completely agree, completely agree. And like you said about the big moments, obviously, yeah, post-missed post extra point, Mahomes drives them down the field. Yeah, they don't score a touchdown, but that's it. And then, yeah, minute 50 to go, he drives them down the field for a chip field goal. That's fine. Overtime comes, drives them down the field for a game and a touchdown. Those are the three most important drives of the game, and they did it. Uh, and to be honest, the drive... The play after the turnover, after Mahomes had thrown inception, uh, and then obviously they had the punt um, punt return fumble, first play on that drive, touchdown straight away in the red zone when you most needed it. So the four biggest moments in the game for Mahomes individually, he um, he delivered. And I think, yeah, Brock Purdy probably delivered in the moments that weren't quite as important and yeah, didn't quite get it done. A um, couple of other performances to mention. Uh, Kip Carroll on the 49ers side. I uh, thought Jawan Jennings was like, the hero, he was definitely going to be, well, maybe not because of quarterbacks, but he was my MVP for sure. He obviously threw their uh, uh, their only touchdown catch for a long period of the game. Obviously, uh, Purdy ended up getting one. But yeah, Jennings threw that one across his body to McCaffrey, which I thought was bad tackling from the Chiefs, but still a pretty cool story. He had a touchdown reception. He had two other receptions that were both third downs. One was third and long. Um, and I felt Jawan Jennings, mate, as a, an answery piece, yeah, for me, he probably arguably played better than Ayuk, who had a bit of had one drop. Definitely played better than Kittle. Um, and I, yeah, I think Jawan Jennings deserves a lot of credit from a 49ers offense perspective. Yeah, I mean, definitely stepped up during the um, playoffs completely. But because obviously he was he was big against the Packers, to be honest. Um, but he was definitely going to be Super Bowl MVP, I think, <laughs> if they'd have uh, kind of got through that with obviously Mahomes he kind of got the yardage and, and whatnot but if they won and that's just say I don't know because obviously they got the field goal didn't they you know the time if the Chiefs had have fumbled or missed out on fourth down it was going to be Juwan Jennings wasn't it and in one of those strange kind of Super Bowls that you get where uh, a role player kind of wins MVP so good on him he's a he's a uh, free agent this summer so hopefully yeah, that's yes. 
hopefully that's going to bat him up a little bit in the uh, in the millions. Yeah, get him some more cash. Uh, McCaffrey might have been up there, to be fair. He had 160 yards from scrimmage, which is uh, nuts. But, um, you yeah. know, I, I think Juwan would have, deserved it. would have been a pretty cool story as well. Team absolutely love him. Um, I thought Chase Young, ironically, after we slated him all week, played really well. <laughs> um, I, we didn't really slate Javon Hargrave, just said that he hasn't lived up to his expectations. He was really good as well. I think Bosa was good, but as the game went on, three of the big plays were him just collapsed. He was just attacked straight away and Mahomes just rolled straight past him. So uh, for me, I think, yeah, Hargrave and um, uh, and Chase Young were really good. Fred Warner was incredible. Uh, I felt like Traverius Ward definitely was weaker as the game went on and the mic'd up section where Travis Kelsey screaming at him that he <laughs> liked it, likes it over there more than here, I found hilarious. Um, but yeah, they were some 49ers players for me, mate, that I uh, that I wanted to uh, to mention. Anyone else on 49ers D that I've missed out, or should we just talk about the Chiefs quickly? I just have to mention one thing, obviously, from the mic talk that's come out yeah. is George Kittle. For the saying, Hey George comment. Saying Hey George when the ball is on the ground, and then George <laughs> Kittle after, mate, I'm not having that at all. Uh, and, and to be fair, obviously... Like 49ers fans have kind of gone in a little bit on that. And I just think that is, mate, that is unforgivable. Just lock yourself. I know he's a bit of a character and he seems like a top guy. I'm sure he's an absolute riot if you went out for a few drinks with him. But listen, mate, it's a Super Bowl. Lock, lock yourself in. Come on now. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. Could you imagine if Kadarius Tony had done that? Oh, my. Yeah, exactly. That and that's... this is the thing, in it? And that is. Yeah. Different personalities and people get different, uh, like leashes, like you said, with Brock Purdy. <laughs> it felt like yeah. George Kittle's leash is very long, but even 49ers fans are definitely uh, definitely annoyed with him. But it was hilarious because he said, hey, George, the minute that Carl Loftus was just about to dive and get the ball. Uh, and it made it funnier that it was Carl Loftus, I think, that got the ball as well. So it wasn't just the fact that Kittle didn't get the ball. It was the fact that Carl Loftus got the ball. Um, Carl Loftus was actually really good as well, by the way, in this game. Uh, he had two massive run uh, stops in fourth quarter and in overtime as well. Um, but yeah, the George Kittle one was not great. Especially the fact he didn't play well, by the way. Like Talking about coming back to the vengeance, he had two receptions for four yards. Yeah. I, think he's had like, I think he's had six receptions for 30-odd yards in two Super Bowls against the Chiefs. And yeah, just ter- yeah, terrible performance from him. He was... Him and Ayuk, I know Debo didn't play well, but he was in and out of injury. But him and Ayuk, I thought, actually played pretty pretty poorly from a 49ers perspective. Um, in terms of the Chiefs, we've mentioned McDuffie, thought he was great. Um, mentioned Patrick Mahomes, we'll talk more about legacy to end it. But yeah, he was great, finished with 333 yards, basically 400 yards of offense if you include the rush. Uh, and he had two bad throws in the game, one miss, one interception. Apart from that, he was really good. The rest of it was just the fact that every first down play in the first half went for minus yards because um, the 49ers defense was was so good. Uh, you mentioned, obviously, McCall Harmon mate earlier, played well. Um, I thought Justin Watson, three receptions for 54 yards. The Chiefs actually had Harmon and Watson in the end, two of the answering wide receivers. I mean, you said which one of them is going to make a deep play. Uh, and actually, in the end, they both made a deep play uh, and MVS didn't. So I thought Watson was good. Uh, I thought Pacheco was pretty poor. I thought he had a pretty terrible game. Um, had a really bad fumble that that wasn't great. Missed out on pass protection a couple of times. Didn't run the ball great. So I thought he was pretty poor. But um, I wanted to give, obviously, a shout-out to the man of the hour. Travis Kelsey, nine receptions, 93 yards. Uh, and he had the coolest celebration I've ever seen with him looking at the Jumbotron, 
putting the touchdown celebration up before McCall Hartman had actually even got in the end zone because he knew that all the defenders were staring at him. Uh, and I thought Travis Kelsey again, mate, carry on the playoff run has uh, been pretty excellent. Yeah, definitely. Back to his back to his kind of best. Obviously, he didn't get in the end zone, did he? But uh, it seemed like every catch he was making in the second half was a big catch, and it's always kind of the yards after, isn't it, that we spoke about? And uh, yeah, but Justin Watson. Three for 54, 54 incredibly important yards as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. And it was a third down catch, I think, wasn't it, if I remember yeah. right? So, yeah, definitely a big catch. Um, any shout-out from you from a Chiefs perspective? I think there's a couple different names on defence. But anyone else you want to mention before we talk about, like, end the game and what the end the pod and what, like, the game means for the two teams going forward? Yeah, I think we uh, briefly mentioned Justin Reid, didn't we? I think um, you've been slightly disappointed with him this season but I thought he was excellent to be honest in in, in yeah, the Super Bowl in coverage I really really thought it was good in that so definitely uh, Justin Reed for me yeah I want to give a shout out to Mike Pinnell bit of a random defensive tackle he was incredible in the Super Bowl stopping the run had a big play against Trent Williams uh, as well in the past game um, so yeah I want to give a shout out to him because he's only just been um signed the practice squad a few months like um, two months ago so now he's active nose tackle um in the super bowl is pretty uh pretty special um but yeah uh going forward then um 49ers next year are going to have a lot of this callback um obviously haven't managed to be able to get over the line yet shanahan hasn't uh a lot of people said that about andy reed for years so i don't expect it to be a forever thing um but i think he did make mistakes again in this super bowl so i think you can criticize him for that for sure but i don't think you can say He's a choker or anything, because I just think everyone said that about Andy Reid. I think Shanahan's doing doing good things with a, a much worse quarterback, but obviously the rest of the roster's very, very good. Um, look at the contracts, mate. This next year is kind of it before there has to be huge changes. Um, I think we could see them go even more in next year and maybe add a couple more pieces um, and throw some more money at it for, for one year only. Do you think that's going to be the goal? Because I just think after a Super Bowl loss like this, they're already the favourites for next year's Super Bowl, by the way. Short favourites, 6-1. to one. Do you think that'll be it? Go for it, go all in? Because after that, I think they've got Kittle as a free agent. Ayuka will be a free agent. Brock Purdy would need a contract extension. Hardgrave would be a free agent. Uh, and I believe Fred Warner would only have one year left after that. So it feels like next year is the, the final all-in year for this team. Yeah, they've already been speaking about um, Debo versus Ayuk and kind of who you're going to keep there. And obviously, we've had a bit of social media rubbish with Ayuk this week. But um, if you remember last year, the same week, I think uh, I think the Philadelphia Eagles were the Super Bowl favourites for for next season, for this season that's just gone. And as it kind of always seems to be, that the, the loser is kind of hyped up or whatever. I think that they're dumped back into the into an improving NFC. Still got if it all stays like this, still got the best weapons. I'm sure that they'll add to the kind of core with the the, the kind of ancillary players that they're going to be missing. Obviously, the Jenningses of this world will be gone, but they'll kind of replace that with you know wide receiver fours and whatnot. But yeah, you're back in for one more year. The, the, the same question <laughs> will always arise is, can you win a Super Bowl with Brock Purdy as your quarterback? And I'm, as a Philadelphia Eagles fan, I'm quite happy to see Purdy start another season for the 49ers if the goal is to win the Super Bowl. Because as close as you get, as close as the Eagles got last year with Jalen Hurts, 
still didn't win. It doesn't matter how close you get. You you either win it or you don't. So it's, yeah. you know, for me, all back in and then probably kind of all change, isn't it, the, the, the season after. Yeah, I think they're all in. We're going to slate Purdy forever, it feels like, me and you. <laughs> Well, I, I think it's going to be everybody. I actually think we're quite easy on him, to be honest, <laughs> <laughs> compared with uh, some of the other stuff you kind of listen to. Hopefully his family don't listen to this or any other podcasts. <laughs> um, uh, and I guess another thing to mention is for this final thing on this team is uh, Steve Wilkes, uh, defensive coordinator, very good game plan for three quarters. Uh, there was a very telling moment, though, in the game where they called timeout believe it was on the fourth down it was on the fourth or the third down um Carl Shanahan called the timeout he went over to Wilkes they spoke about something uh next play Mahomes converts and then Shanahan went nuts on the sideline uh after the game they decided to part ways with Steve Wilkes rumors are today that um coach Brandon Staley is most likely to take over uh after the Rams and Dolphins have hired other DCs um We'll talk about Staley another time, but in terms of Steve Wilkes, mate, were you surprised after this? Because I still think overall he's a good coach, but yeah, maybe towards the second half of the season he struggled a little bit, and it felt like for me a head coach that knew that the roster's not going to change loads, and that he had to make a change, and Wilkes maybe was the fall guy. Yeah, I, I agree with you that there, and what's been interesting is I was surprised. What's been really interesting is 49ers fans on Twitter are saying, yeah, we kind of expected this, and I'm, I'm not I'm not sure whether you did, to be honest. If you kind of look, if you look back to it, no one was calling for it on Monday or anything like that. So it was, yeah, I, I was surprised, to be honest with you. And uh, he's a good coach, to be fair. Yeah. We kind of lost it, but you know they also suffered a, a downturn in performance in this in towards the last quarter of the season and in the playoffs, you know. Let's not forget that the Packers and the Lions, perhaps unfortunate not to not to win their games. So, uh, yeah, it's a surprise overall. I think he's a good coach. Yeah, February the 14th at 6am, article was released on NFL.com. Carl Shanahan, uh, I expect all our coaches to be back next season when asked about Steve Wilkes. 4pm the same day. Niners part wave of defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, it did not go well, the debrief after the Super Bowl, clearly, between those two. Um, but yeah, Carl Shanahan's a bit of a maniac, as we all know, and he was very stressed, actually, in, uh, <laughs> throughout this game. Um, but yeah. Uh, cool. In terms of the Chiefs, then, mate, uh, obviously, yeah, dynasty secured, I think, for most people's eyes. I've seen a couple of people uh, disagree with that, but I think it's a clear dynasty. Um, what was it, four Super Bowls in six years? They've won three of them now, back-to-back. Uh, the parade, obviously, was heartbreaking, but so much talk before that was about um, the three-peat. Uh, I haven't actually seen Mahomes as motivated. In the mic'd up, he mentioned the three-peat to his wife on the stage. Uh, so I think it's safe to say that it's quite a young team. They decide to almost spend loads of money one year. They don't spend loads. This year was the... Yeah, they hardly spent any cash this year compared to others. And I know everyone hated that with the wide receiver position, but um feels like they secured their legacy again, mate. And Andy, Travis, uh, Mahomes, and then I think, to be honest, some money thrown at this offseason. I think they're going to go very hard for this three-peat. Yeah, I think so. I mean, three Super Bowls in five years, including then in between that, you go, you lost one. Super Bowl and then you lost in an AFC Championship game. <laughs> that that is secured now. We, you know we're going to be talking about that for 
for a very long time. The, like you said, the team is young. Uh, the, listen, the Chiefs are amazing in the playoffs and the worthy, worthy Super Bowl champions. They've got the best player in the world, one of the best coaches ever in football. Fortunate, really, after the second half of the regular season to be sat here talking about this, where they were really poor. I don't think they would like that level of regular season performance again. And that needs going to be needing roster fixers, right? I think another weapon somewhere fitting in um, a more veteran presence in the in the uh, wide receiver room, I think, will probably be added in at some point, perhaps, if I'm kind of reading kind of through the roster myself, right, and that as a Chiefs fan who listens to, you know, God knows how much content. But for me, that's what's kind of missing on that. Obviously, Spags is back. He's signed an extension. A lot of the defence is going to be back. Let's see what happens with Chris Jones. He was a bit drunk, weren't he, at the... Um, yeah, he was. <laughs> the thing, but we'll see. His, his agent said to, to turn the taps off, didn't he, to the beer. <laughs> but um, we'll see what happens with Chris Jones. He's someone that deserves to go out there and make the maximum amount of money, right? Or if yeah. he decides, I'll give up a little bit of the money because I want to go for three, three in a row. So we'll see. I think the Chiefs are all set up, though, for, a, for another deep run again next year. Yeah, they've got quite a few free agents on defence, but um, not much on offence at all um, that matters. Um, but I think it's Legereus Sneed as well, him and um, him and Chris Jones. And yeah, I do believe, I do agree that um, Jones deserves to get whatever he can get. I think when you're an all-time player, you should do that. Um, but I actually think that about Sneed even more so, um, because he's barely earned any money being a late-round pick compared to the average NFL player. And he was arguably the best corner in the league this year. So I think Sneed will probably get paid paid a lot of money as well. Um, one contract that has been sorted out is uh, the Chiefs extended Steve Spagnola on Wednesday before the parade. Um, it's not been announced how long that extension is for. Uh, apparently it's quite a large raise as he wasn't one of the highest paid defensive coordinators in the league, but now is. Um, how important is it for this team to keep Spags makes? I know me and you love him. Uh, obviously, normally he's... He's great as the season goes on, but this year he's like him and his defense have been great all season long, and it just feels like that's another key component just to see how far they can take this current roster over the next year or two or three before they kind of maybe have to do a little reset again. You're just locking in immediately such an important part of your team, aren't you? That is so important come playoff time. Like you said, this season it was all season, but come playoff time. He comes in, he's completely dialed up, everyone is bought in, and, and that's kind of what has helped the Chiefs more than ever out of the three this year, out of the three, sorry, in five years, that has helped them win the Super Bowl, hasn't it? This this time around, it's certainly the best defence that they've had in the... Because uh, it certainly wasn't like that against the Eagles, was it, uh, last year? And it's only a year's difference. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's very true. Very true. I'd be interested to see how aggressive they are in the off season on uh, on both sides of the ball, to be honest. Uh, and Eric Bieniemy is actually uh, free to return to the team as well if they want him to. So we'll see uh, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, pretty historic run. Obviously, as a fan, it's just yeah nuts to be part of it. And you always knew with Mahomes it was going to be crazy. But as the, even after the first Super Bowl, it was like yeah, but you still necessarily wouldn't expect. Uh, three Super Bowls in four years. I think I listened to a pod. I can't remember whose pod it was, but it was after that Super Bowl. Maybe it was Bill Simmons, uh, to my 
embarrassment. Uh, and I think he, they said, oh, what's the under over for Super Bowls from Mahomes? And they said it at like three and a half because they were like, he's just got one. We all live in like the pre- we all live in like now, like now, like, oh, we've just won one. They could win 10. And I think they set the under overs like three and a half. And both of them like you probably have to lean under if you look at the history of the NFL. And then he's got three already <laughs> um, faster than anybody. Three Super Bowl MVPs as well faster than anyone. He's only 28. So, yeah, for him, it's yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, I know you've been involved in some uh, LeBron, Jordan, Mahomes, Brady discussions or podcasts that you seem to like to listen to. So I feel like that's a debate that's probably going to rage on until uh, Mahomes loses his next big playoff game. And then they'll probably try and like talk about someone else for a few months. But until then, it feels like we're going to hear a lot of that, aren't we? Yeah, I think so. And I think you've got to, uh, like I said, I, I, I did tweet this out and um, I have heard some some good ones. I, it's not a conversation that people find easy to listen to. So it is going to have to come in and out over the years because the, when you're comparing anybody to Jordan, the name itself conjures up like an emotion for people where no one can be compared to him, right? So, but there is something that Mahomes is currently doing that Jordan did. Jordan stopped so many NBA superstars from ever getting a title and a yeah. ring, right? And at the moment, you've got Lamar, you've got Josh Allen, you've got Herbert, you've got Burrow, you've got no rings. And Mahomes has three, and he stands in the way. And that is where the really big, off taking away the killer instinct part of being on the field or the court, that is a really actually important kind of diagnosis between the two that Brady and LeBron don't have. So it's interesting as that kind of goes on throughout his career. Yeah, I agree. That is one of the good comparisons, isn't it? Because uh, Michael Jordan did that to a lot of people. We don't need to name uh, 90s basketball players, but there's many that Jordan <laughs> stood in the way of. Um, yeah, it does feel like Mahomes is doing that. And uh, yeah, I do feel like Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, I think they bring one back of Sneed or Jones for me. But if they bring both back, which they're talking about, I don't think they will. But if they do, add in Steve Spagnola, And then, you know, after the Super Bowl, they lost. They got in loads of offensive linemen. The Super Bowl, they nearly lost. They got in loads of defensive players. There is no doubt in my mind they are going to get in at least two, if not three, weapons this offseason. It's just the way the team works. They always go in on one position every year. So, um, yeah, there, there's a chance we'll see them uh, We'll see them back. But, uh, yeah. Uh, by the way, Texans or uh, Bengals first game of the season is my prediction, looking at the uh, schedule that Thursday night before your boys play in Brazil on the Friday night. <laughs> Texans might be nice. Too early for the Bengals game. Let's have that November, December. I don't I don't mind it, but Texans feels like the one. That'd be very Lions y, wouldn't it, for this yeah. year? Um, yeah. But yeah, congrats to anyone listening who is also a Chiefs fan. Yeah, hell of a season. Um, good playoffs, I thought, actually, overall, this was better than last year's playoffs for me if you look at the individual games. Um, Super Bowl, maybe not as exciting as last year. Last year was crazy, but. To have an overtime, I think it was the second ever. Obviously, the first one ever with the double possession, I think, does make the, the game more interesting. Um, we kind of run out of time for news, and I've looked. There's not loads. Um, like I said, Eric Bieniemy's still out there as a coach, which is a big one. Steve Wilkes leaving, Spag staying. Anthony Lynn is going to leave the 49ers to be a uh, kind of assistant head coach to the Commanders. Uh, the Bears release uh, Eddie Jackson, uh, who's one of the best safeties they've had uh, in their history. Uh, and they release Cody Whitehair as well, who's like a centre slash guard that costs a lot of money. So now they've got the most 
I think it's the fourth most cap space in NFL history to spend this summer. So, um, yeah, there's little bits of news. You've got John Schneider talking about him taking more of a role in the team. Cliff Kingsbury saying he's going to run the whole offense. All these exciting things that we'll talk about as the summer goes on. Uh, big Cliff Kingsbury back in my life on this podcast is beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. The man that couldn't win any college games with uh, Kyler Murray or Patrick Mahomes. Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, any NFL games with Kyler Murray and NFL, any college games with uh, Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes is uh, is back with a vengeance. So, yeah, that's fun. Um, but, yeah, thanks, everyone, for listening. That is the end of our uh, our current season. Uh, anyone knows this podcast knows that we absolutely love the off-season. We're arguably more addicted to the off-season than we are the on-season. Um, so yeah, we're not sure when we're going to take a break. Normally we take a break post draft and post free agency. Uh, free agency is four weeks away, <laughs> which is crazy. The draft is, I think, eight weeks away. Um, so yeah, there's loads of content to come. We will be back next week for another podcast. Um, but yeah, honestly, thanks everyone listening to us this season. And uh, yeah, congrats to the Kansas City Chiefs. We will speak to you guys soon. Thank you.